1: That's C-O-M-T-E hyphen USA dot com.
2: This week on Meet and 3, we're exploring the intersection between food, agriculture, and competition. Learn how a chicken raising contest in the 1940s led to the poultry industry we have today.
3: And they were going to run a contest and try and develop what they would call the trick tomorrow.
2: We'll also venture into the world of agricultural video games, where a new set of tractors is making a lot of fans happy.
0: The biggest addition to 19 was the John Deere's. That's what everyone was hyped for.
2: And we pay a visit to a group of Indian restaurants that aren't on the friendliest of terms.
4: Usually they wait for my restaurant, but after a long wait, they go to next door or downstairs. But this is how they do business. They completely copy whatever we do.
2: Embrace your competitive spirit and be the first to listen to new Meet and Three episodes by subscribing now. That's Meat plus sign T H R E E. Available wherever you listen to podcasts.
3: Cheese. 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 Cheese.
5: Hello. This is Diane Stemple on Cutting the Curd on Heritage Radio Network. Today I have the pleasure of interviewing Janet Fletcher, cheese author, about her new gigantic book called Wine Country Table. Welcome, Janet.
6: Thanks, Diane. Yeah, it really is an upper body workout, that book. It's pretty heavy. (laughs) Yes, nice to have you back on the show. Thank you. Nice to be back.
5: You're very welcome. So this is one big book with amazing pictures. Its subtitle is With Recipes That Celebrate California's Sustainable Harvest. So first, how did you approach this project? Did they come to you or did you go to them?
6: Well, I've had a book like this in mind for a long time. Mm -hmm. I've, I've been writing about food for 35 years in California, in the Mm -hmm. Bay Area, and I've written a lot about produce and farmers' markets and Mm -hmm. growers, and that's always just been something I love writing about, Mm -hmm. and wine, of course. I'm married to a winemaker, but uh, I never got to do it until Uh um, I was approached to do it with this idea to do a book about sustainability and about California's leadership in that realm, both um, Winemakers, wine growers, and the fruits and vegetables that we grow, so many of our farmers are really cutting edge in terms mm-hmm. of sustainability. So that's the theme that runs through the book. Mm-hmm. but it's really you know a cookbook that celebrates everything that California grows.
5: Mm-hmm. Now, would you say it was your recipes or your wine knowledge that first interested you in compiling this book?
6: Well, gosh, it would be hard to tease those apart, but I think I come at it a little bit more from the food side than from the wine side. That's Mm -hmm. just my, Mm -hmm. you know, my my Mm strength. I'm a daily wine drinker, but I'm, you know, I'm my, uh, I consider myself a food writer first and foremost. So, but it was, you know, so fun to be able to put the two together and to get a lot more knowledgeable
3: in the research
6: phase of the book about, how California wines are made.
3: Mm -hmm.
6: It it was kind of a road trip, honestly. I consider Mm -hmm. it sort of a foodie road trip that I got to take from (laughs) north to south in California, visiting wine growers and produce growers and getting to tell their stories.
5: Yeah. Now, who decided the wineries? Because I'm a beer gal, I don't really, uh, I don't know that many wineries except for, the ones in the book, Cake Bread, which I was surprised to see was someone's last name, and Coppola. But uh, how did how did the wineries get decided?
6: Well, the wineries are meant to represent a range of sizes and styles and most important geographic areas. Right. So uh, California is roughly divided into 15 major wine-growing areas, Mm -hmm. Uh, and uh, there's a winery representing each of those 15 wine-growing areas. Some of them you probably have heard of, like Cake Bread and Mm -hmm. Coppola, Mm
3: -hmm. but
6: others I think many people, including myself, have not heard of because Mm -hmm. they're small um, and maybe not even distributed outside of the state, but Mm -hmm. they are key figures in their region in terms of Uh, being models of sustainable practices.
5: Okay. So it was mostly sustainable practices that got the wineries in the book? Yes, and 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 representing a range of
6: styles and varieties. Okay. I I wanted to show, you know, growers who grow Cabernet, Chardonnay, Pinot Noir, all the the significant varieties Mm -hmm. that are grown Mm -hmm. in California, and also some who are, you know, growing some of the more, you know, kind of cutting-edge varieties. Unique,
5: unique. Okay.
6: Yeah. Now the also book, the, you know, there's like uh, Larry Turley who's growing old vines in mm-hmm. uh, in the Sierra foothills, and uh, then of course the fabulous Pinot Noir producers on the Central Coast, mm-hmm. all the way down to Temecula in Southern California.
3: Mm-hmm.
5: Now this book is large and heavy. It's got so many gorgeous pictures of wineries, of grapes, of fruit, of recipes. 300 pictures, some full page spreads. Um, uh, if it was a coffee table book, it would make everyone thirsty and hungry.
6: Well, I hope, yeah, it is. It's gorgeous. Uh, There were two photographers on it, one who specializes in food, And people. That's Sarah Remington, Uh and then Bob Holmes, who specializes in vineyard and winery photography. So, Mm -hmm. took two photographers to get this um, together. But I hope people will take it into the kitchen. It's. I want to see it dirty. (laughs) I want (laughs) to see people's greasy fingers on it because it really is a cookbook.
5: Well, that's great. You know, i I was searching for something to cook this evening, and I'd found one of your chicken recipes, and it was pretty easy. And then I couldn't remember where it was, so I searched my whole house for the chicken recipe, and I didn't remember it was in your book.
6: Oh, this is such a delicious recipe, and it's a the one with I the think it's spices a favorite weeknight recipe for a lot of people. Or yes, even, you know, a dinner party dish because it's so easy and it's yes. foolproof. Yeah, I make it with Meyer lemons, which are a California specialty. But I got uh, some. They, Have you had Meyer lemons?
5: Um, I don't know if I've had them. Are they in between lemons and oranges?
6: In in terms of their scent and their flavor, yes. They're not as tart as a regular lemon. Mm -hmm. They're not as sweet as an orange. Mm -hmm. They have an orange-like fragrance. So if you can't get the Meyer's, I have made the recipe myself with a mixture of lemons and oranges, oh, cool. and you put the chicken on top. The chicken mm-hmm. has a really nice rub with dried oregano, mm-hmm. um, Spanish pimenton, the smoked paprika, mm-hmm. olive oil, garlic powder, and um, and it goes on that bed of citrus and sliced mm-hmm. red onions. And the chicken juices just drip down into that base and mix with the citrus juices and I put some green olives around it so that adds some Yes uh, yet another flavor and texture. And it's <laughs> it bakes in one dish in forty minutes and it sounds so easy. Prep.
5: I can't wait. I can't yeah, you're wait. Love it.
6: Yeah, yeah. So anyway, what
5: happened first? Was the were the wineries selected first?
6: The wineries and the farms. Okay. And there with the farms too, the effort was made to to show all of California from, mm-hmm. the, you know, from north to south uh, and the breadth of things that we grow. So, mm-hmm. um, wh- you know, finding farmers that represented that um, diversity, mm-hmm. that had good stories to tell, mm-hmm. I, mean, I was so struck by how many of these farms are multi-generational mm-hmm. they're in the third fourth fifth or even in one case sixth generation yes I was too yeah so that's a you know that's a beautiful story that there are mm-hmm. still young people who are eager willing to stay on the farm eager to make this a way of life and raise their families on the farm mm-hmm. and I just you know, I loved seeing that that, that of course is the definition of sustainability right being sustained right. to the next generation right by really Responsible farming, Mm -hmm. um, making sure that you're passing on something that's even better than what you inherited.
5: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, were you there for all the
6: picture taking? No, I wasn't there for any of the picture taking. Oh, too bad! I were never there at the same time. I I visited all these. (laughs) I visited all these farms and wineries, and and had a lengthy. Did you visit first? It was. um, Did you visit first? (laughs) Uh usually, I went first, mm-hmm. yeah, so that mm-hmm. the I could give the photographer some sense of what to expect what to photograph mm-hmm. this was this was my i think my thirtieth book mm-hmm. and the pack the the designer is something i she's done dozens of books, and we both would say this is the most complicated book we ever worked on <laughs> because we had to coordinate um with all these, you know, vintners, grape growers, mm-hmm. uh, produce growers. Mm-hmm. We wanted to be there during the harvest season. We wanted right. to be there, you know, at different times of the year. So it was, took a lot of yeah. engineering. There were a whole lot of Excel spreadsheets involved in <laughs> this <book>. I'm sure. <laughs> now, how to the right, long, the right farm at the right time.
5: How long did the research take you, the drive-through, and how long did the picture picture-taking take?
6: Well, the whole project was... You know, I think start to finish the whole project was about three years. I mm-hmm. had two mm-hmm. years, which mm-hmm. is very generous. I rarely have that much time on a manuscript.
3: Mm-hmm.
6: But I had two years and needed it because you, you know, you, I, I would You were learning something. different things. Yeah. yeah. So, And you always, as a food writer, you really want to have a minimum of a year because you want to get the produce in peak season mm-hmm. to test with. Mm-hmm.
3: mm-hmm.
6: There's right. nothing worse than trying to test a, you know, a pear recipe with pears out of season or pigs <laughs> out of season.
5: I found myself yeah. learning accidentally as I read and realizing how little I know about wine. <laughs> but uh, well,
6: that's you have a fun education ahead of you.
5: Yes, yes, yes definitely. The more you
6: drink, the more you know.
5: Yeah. Now, what is the percentage of sustainable wineries in California? Are there some that are not sustainable, and are those cheap or bad wines?
6: Well, no. I don't know the percentage, actually, of certified sustainable, but I know it's large and growing. There's Mm -hmm. actually a certification Mm -hmm. program now, uh, so a, a winery can apply to get certified, and the uh, it's not an easy process. They mm-hmm. have to mm-hmm. um, self-assess in a lot of uh, categories. Mm-hmm. And compared to, say, organic, where it's just a question of are you using the right, you know, are you not using certain compounds in your on your farm, mm-hmm. uh, sustainability is a much bigger picture.
3: Mm-hmm. It has
6: to do m- more with not only, you know, your... Um, Farming practices, but it could have to do with you, water resources. and are you cutting back on yeah, water. you yeah, cutting back on energy. Yeah, are you a good member of your community? Right. Um, so it's a it's a bigger. It's endeavor. more
5: complicated. Yeah. Yeah.
6: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, you know, a broader. And I would say it's a, definitely a growing number of wineries that are certified sustainable. And as of sometime within the last year, they can now start putting that on their label.
5: Okay. Now, is is sustainable farms for fruit different?
6: Um, yes, in the sense that the sustainability certification that I just described is for uh, wineries and grape growers only.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh,
6: it's a program that the winery, the Wine Institute, the trade association for the wineries, um, oversees. instituted. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know of a certification program
5: for for fruit.
6: For fruit or vegetable oh, okay. But certainly okay. I, was, I, I saw a lot of the same Attitudes and practices When I visited California's uh, Fruit and vegetable growers
3: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You
6: know that attempt to Really minimize water use Find alternative energy sources
3: mm-hmm.
6: um, You know Come up with uh, Programs for employee well-being and Right
5: There uh, was a lot of that written about in the book I thought that was great
6: Yeah, I I encountered some really heartwarming stories uh, about how much
5: these the wineries (laughs) care about their um, their
6: employees employees and put that into you know into action. I I remember visiting one wine grower in um, in the Sierra Foothills, Larry Turley, Turley Mm -hmm. Wine Cellars. He's Mm -hmm. quite uh, he's a cult figure. Uh-huh. And he has pledged to put all of his employees' children, if they need it, he will pay their state to it their tuition at a state school. Oh, state wow. college. Wow. And he's done that for four and he, four people already and mm-hmm. he told me that there are about twenty eight more who qualify and he's stands he's, ready to, to send them all through college.
5: That's excellent. That's excellent. Yeah. Now what is this is a just a specific question. There are Old vines from gold rush days?
6: Oh, only a handful. <laughs> um, only a handful. And uh, is that
5: dry farming? From gold
6: rush days, maybe. I, as, uh, I can only think of one vineyard where they would say they had vines that old. Okay. But okay. certainly there are vines that are 100 years old.
5: Right. And they look very gnarly and crazy. Yeah, oh
6: gosh, you have to see these. They're beautiful. They have these very thick, gnarly arms. They're what's called um, head pruned. They're not trained up on a trellis like a lot of the vines people are familiar with. Yes. Um, they are left to sprawl, mm-hmm. but they're pruned uh, very carefully and mm-hmm. into kind of a wagon wheel shape. Mm-hmm. If you looked at them from above, you would see the spokes of a wagon wheel. Mm-hmm. And the idea is to space out the fruit and um, let light and air,
3: mm-hmm. uh,
6: sunlight and, mm-hmm. and air enter. So this was an early way of pruning grapevines mm-hmm. that minimized, uh, or let's say, it minimized disease because mm-hmm. it kept the sunlight on the fruit and it kept the breezes moving through the, the
5: vines. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now your book seems to favor gnarly. Is, is...
6: <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe that's more romantic. That's maybe what the, photo- the photographers consider more romantic. Um, v- vines get that way. You know, uh-huh. after uh, right. two or three or four years, they do develop thick trunks and, right. and thick arms. That's just the natural. Progression. Uh-huh. A, a 10-year-old vine is going to look somewhat like that.
5: <laughs> okay. Now, I thought it was also interesting that Ari from Zingerman's was in the book because he trained a bunch of the vineyards with his open book finances.
6: I was. I loved hearing that story, too, because, you know, as a cheese lover, being in the cheese world, I've known Ari for a right. long time. right? And I didn't know that he was a consultant to Domaine Carneros, right. which is one of the wineries. Right near where I live. Um, mm-hmm. They're a great sparkling wine producer. And Eileen Crane, who is the manager, longtime GM at mm-hmm. Domain Carnaris, mm-hmm. uh CEO, invited, I think maybe she had read Ari's book, and she invited him to come consult mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. And he talked uh, talked about open book management, and she uh, she adopted it. Mm-hmm. And he, um, he he and his team have done a lot of uh, seminars and workshops there for the staff related to, you know, energy and yeah. uh, team huddles and that kind of thing. And yeah. Eileen is a very conservative kind of proper person. Uh-huh. She's like the last person I ever would have thought would <laughs> go after this kind of...
5: This new uh, newfangled thing. This
6: new way of thinking. <laughs> but she has totally embraced it. And, oh, that's so great. And says it has been great for employee morale. Yes. And, yeah.
5: Yeah. Okay, we have to take a break. We'll be back with Janet Flesher talking about Wine Country Table. We'll be back soon.
1: This episode of Cutting the Curd is brought to you by Conte Cheese Association. Conte Cheese Association represents the Conte PDO, Comté Protected Designation of Origin in the USA. Comté is a raw milk cooked pressed cheese from the Jura mountains of France. There, every day, 2,500 family farms deliver milk to over 150 local cheesemaking facilities, or fruitiers. This milk must be transformed into Comté within 24 hours of milking to preserve the lactic microflora in the milk, ensuring the cheese's aromatic potential. About 105 gallons of milk are required to craft a single wheel of Comté. Comté takes time to acquire its flavors in the affinage cellars. After eight months of aging by dedicated affineurs on average, each wheel of Comté is graded and shipped to market. No wheel of Conte is the same. Its flavors speak to the pastures where the cows grazed, the season in which it was made, the particular craftsmanship of the cheesemaker, and the time spent in the aging cellar. Therefore, every wheel of Conte is unique. Learn more about Conte, an iconic cheese from the Jura Mountains of France, favored by cheesemongers and cheese lovers all over the world. Find out more at conte usacom that's comte usacom
4: Are you enjoying this podcast? Heritage Radio Network has plenty more. My name is Dana Cowan, and I'm the host of Speaking Broadly here on HRN. Every week, I conduct intimate interviews with the brilliant, powerful women in the food world. We discuss their lives, their careers, and the ways in which they navigate the world at large. You can find Speaking Broadly wherever you listen to podcasts and on heritageradionetwork.org.
5: Hi, Janet. We're back. Hi, Diane. Okay, so I have two big questions. Were you writing the book before most of the fires in California?
6: Uh, yes. I mean, we've had wildfires the last two years. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we have fires every year, uh, I'm sorry yeah, to say. Yeah, But uh, I think the fires you're referring to were the last yeah, two years, yeah. so the answer is yes.
5: Did they affect any of the wineries from the book or, or other wineries? Hmm. Uh,
6: I mean, hmm. Not in the sense of... Burning the burning vines. vines mm-hmm. or, okay. you know, mm, I can't recall, actually. I don't think any of our featured wineries were were, were affected hurt. dramatically. Okay. You know, the thing about grapevines is they really don't burn. Oh. They're full of water. Oh. And so here in Napa, I mean, the fire came very close to my home
3: yeah. in, mm.
6: um the vineyards where my husband worked, and the vines didn't burn, just mm. the... Areas around them, the fire would come right up to
5: the vineyards oh, and then stop. Oh, oh. scary! Very yeah. scary. Yeah, and and my second question is that now that more and more people are, you know, quote, believing in global warming, how does that affect a winery or even an AVA, a, a viticultural area? Um, if I'm pronouncing that right, will the wrong vines be in the wrong place?
6: Well, it's a, it's a very good question. A lot of wineries, or I would say the enlightened wineries, are starting mm-hmm. to think about that. Yeah. And think about whether they need to look at different varieties than the ones yeah. they have been growing. Uh, maybe um, varieties that can, you know, take more heat. Um, so there is some talk of that there's Mm -hmm. some experimenting going on Mm -hmm. with different varieties in different places it's uh yeah it's an issue and of course these this extreme weather that we're having will probably continue yeah we're having a lot of rain this year in california Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which we're not you know not accustomed to and uh it's is that doing bad things and good things well, it's so you know mostly good. It kind of mm-hmm. replenishes the aquifer, and it mm-hmm. it comes at a time when the vines are dormant. Mm-hmm. We don't uh, we don't want it now because mm-hmm. the vines are starting to bud out, and mm-hmm. you certainly don't want hail mm-hmm. or anything mm-hmm. you know dramatic now, or you mm-hmm. can uh, you could you could harm the crop. Mm-hmm. But the, it's been I'm just really glad. <laughs> I'm not doing this, that I'm not growing grapes or growing yeah, you know, figs or olives or anything because you're at the mercy of Mother Nature all the time. And I think we don't realize how how much uh, stress these right. farms and yeah. grape growers go through being at the mercy of Mother yeah. Nature.
5: And Mother Nature is getting angrier and angrier. So right. we're, we're <laughs> right. all in big trouble.
6: On the other hand, she, you know... Uh, Throws us some nice um, curveballs too when we have good years. And I think it, for every crop that California produces, there is a sweet spot okay. in California. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, there, the, this state has such a geographic diversity and mm-hmm. climatic diversity. I mean, everybody thinks of California as warm and sunny, right. but there are parts of California that are mm-hmm. quite cool and coastal, foggy a lot, mm-hmm. and there are crops that do well there and yeah. grapes that do well there. So there's there's a place for everything.
5: Right. Well, that was one of the things I was learning in the book, how big California is. You don't realize it even though it's big on the map and how different it is, how there's, you know, like one one statistic 10% of the whole country's farmland is is in the inland valleys of California, but 25% of it's food.
6: Yeah, and I didn't see this statistic until I think after the book was finished, but speaking <laughs> of that inland valley, yeah. which is the Sacramento Valley and the mm-hmm. San Joaquin Valley, collectively mm-hmm. we call that the Central Valley, Okay, they grow 250 different crops in that valley. Mm-hmm. You know everything from very familiar things like uh, peaches and nectarines and mm-hmm. canning tomatoes mm-hmm. to uh, Asian herbs, Asian vegetables, Southeast Asian specialties. Mm-hmm. It's an extremely diverse mm-hmm. uh, picture.
5: Yeah, yeah. It. I. At one point, one of your quotes in the book is "adventuresome cooks in ingredient heaven."
6: <laughs> that sounds like me. <laughs> yeah, really. We. Uh, you know. We do have a remarkable market basket of uh, produce to play with, uh, mm-hmm. er, you know, everything from the avocados and kumquats of this, you know Southern California, the hot valleys down there, mm-hmm. to the baby lettuces that mm-hmm. are grown in the cool climate of Northern California. One of my favorite visits of the whole book
3: mm-hmm. was
6: to a cut flower grower in um, San Diego, in the desert in San Diego, up in the hills. It's, mm-hmm. Diane, you cannot believe this landscape. It is rocky, dry. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't believe that anything could come <laughs> out of there.
5: And they're growing and,
6: flowers? The proteas, yeah, a type of South African flower oh, cool. that um, florists. It's a very trendy flower now. Uh, <laughs> it's in a lot of bridal bouquets, and ah. you'll recognize them if you if mm-hmm. you look them up. Uh-huh. Um, they uh, are getting them to grow in the desert with no water, mm-hmm. um, you know, virtually no tr- fertilizer. And it's uh, a whole big business, just cut mm-hmm. flower mm-hmm. business in there. And it's it's a sustainable um, segment of agriculture, uh-huh. They're growing uh-huh. something where nothing else would grow. Right,
5: right. Now, there was a, a you talk about Herringer Estates, a six generations of farmers and they went from dairy cows to tomatoes to wine grapes?
6: Yeah, they're in a part of California that is um, not you know, it's not the first one on everybody's lips when you're thinking of, of wine and wine grapes. It's uh, called Clarksburg, mm-hmm. and for the longest time, Clarksburg was an area that, that grew grapes and then just sold them to other people, like Gallo, where the grapes mm-hmm. would just disappear into a blend.
3: Mm-hmm. But
6: now Clarksburg is its own AVA. And people are putting that Clarksburg on their label and making wines that really merit
3: Mm -hmm.
6: um, being, you know, bottled on their own. And Mm -hmm. uh, Herringer, I think they pronounce it, is is, uh, one of those families that has transitioned Mm -hmm. from just selling their grapes to others to making their own branded wine. Oh,
5: that's cool. That's cool. Now, I also found out asparagus grows for 15 years
6: Uh, Yeah, I guess if you're—asparagus grows from this uh, mass of roots called Mm -hmm. a crown, Mm -hmm. and one crown can probably last about 15 years if you take good care of it. Mm -hmm. The fact about asparagus that so astonished me is that um, those spears can grow six inches in a day uh, on a warm day.
5: Really? And then they have to be picked and— that day
6: well so the crews will go through multiple times Uh um, because uh, you pass through on monday and there might be six spears to pick out of that crown Mm -hmm. you pass by on wednesday and there's another six spears (laughs) so you have over the period of about um six weeks so they just grow 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 through those um those farms again and again and again that is so cool to harvest now, yeah, I... they take this very long. It's like a almost like a long, very long fork, mm-hmm. and they plunge it into the into the ground, and they mm-hmm. cut the asparagus down underground, mm-hmm. and, and lift up the spear.
3: Mm. Okay.
5: Um, now the recipes they seemed mostly easy to me as not a good cook uh, because they are so ingredient bound. Is that would you say that's true?
6: I, th- I would say that's absolutely true. I really am a, an ingredient-driven cook more than a mm-hmm. technique-driven cook, mm-hmm. and I'm always thinking about the home cook. Yeah, thankfully. And what he or she is willing to do. <laughs> so, I, th- I mean, I think uh, I'm not the kind of cook who's going to go buy six different herbs and use a tablespoon of each. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right, uh, so right. The, I would say the recipes are streamlined, yes. but super tasty. Mm-hmm. Um, one I'm making right now is a an olive oil cake. Mm
3: -hmm. I I
6: did visit an olive oil producer in California who's making superb extra virgin olive oil. The Mm -hmm. name is Enzo, Mm E-N-Z-O. And I made a cake with his olive oil instead of melted butter. Mm -hmm. And it has orange peel in it and a lot of toasted almond. Mm. And it's just a fabulous cake. To have with any kind of fruit, um, strawberries, mm-hmm. bush, you know, raspberries mm-hmm. later in the year, mm-hmm. peaches, nectarines, figs, pears. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just a great all-purpose cake. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, that's, I, I was made that uh, just last weekend. Oh, okay. And it's, it's a nice little cake to have with a little glass of wine.
5: Yes. Now, I was getting hungrier when I came across old-fashioned chocolate sheet cake with Bing cherry sauce.
6: That? Yeah, the cherries are about uh, <laughs> two months away.
5: Oh, okay, so but, not yet.
6: <laughs> but yeah, that's a wonderful cake. It came from a friend. It's her grandmother's recipe. It's just an old-fashioned sheet cake, uh, and it's now, would great the sheet with cake, cherry sauce or raspberry. A raspberry sauce later in the summer.
5: Would the sheet cake be good enough by itself?
6: Well, yes, but of course I want to get some California fruit in there. <laughs> but it would be great with a Zinfandel port, you know, a dessert mm-hmm. wine mm-hmm. Uh, of some type. Um, right now it might be nice to serve with some kind of poached fruit. Mm-hmm. There's not much, mm-hmm. uh, right. Right. Not, not that much fresh fruit uh, in the market right now.
5: Now, I found also interesting, uh, University of California at Santa Cruz. I went there one summer uh, when I was in college and so it's near and dear to my heart. And it says its AVA stands alone. It's like small? Uh,
6: the Santa Cruz I'm AVA. i sure not I know what you're talking about. I know you at, Univers- at Santa Cruz, UC Santa Cruz. Yes. Is a, um, they were pioneers. Yes. In sustainability. Mm-hmm. Uh, back in the, you know, early 80s they were preaching sustainability and teaching it to their students they had Mm -hmm. a farm they still do have a a program that teaches people how to how to farm sustainably Mm -hmm. but I don't know about an AVA that the school would have did maybe I'm I feel like I wrote down
5: Santa Cruz AVA stands alone why did I write that down I can't remember
6: I don't know, but I'm going to go back and look it up okay, and uh, okay. refresh my memory. <laughs> they may have, I can't, I'm, it would surprise me if they had their own AVA. Santa Cruz, of course, um, has an AVA. Mm-hmm. Uh, that area is pretty cool mm-hmm. um, along yes. the coast. Yes. Uh, that's where a lot of our artichokes come from and mm-hmm. uh, Yes, uh, ruffled sprouts and fava beans.
5: Is Cupertino the artichoke capital of the world?
6: No, the Cupertino is, is Silicon Valley. It's oh. the computer capital. Of the world. Oh, no. <laughs> <But> <laughs> it used to be. I'm thinking but like 30 years ago. Oh, Castroville right. is the town you're thinking oh, of.
5: Oh, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. I've driven around Northern California many times, and I, I misplace my uh, memory. <laughs> They're not anyway, far apart. So um, what was your basic? A learning experience from writing this book.
6: So many, so many. But I, I learned a lot of little kind of fun trivia about mm-hmm. fruits and vegetables. Yes. Uh, but I learned, I think, mostly that so many of these grape growers and produce growers are—they're just amazingly forward-thinking. Mm-hmm. I guess in the back of my mind, I thought of farmers as being kind of. Um, old-fashioned? Cons- conservative, old-fashioned. Oh. They wear oh. overalls. You know, they don't change very quickly. But that is the opposite of <laughs> oh, the truth in, in Cal- on California farms. Uh-huh. If, they, if you're that way, you are falling behind.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh,
6: if you're standing still, you're falling behind in California because you have to be thinking ahead. Right. Um, and, I mean, not only in terms of what you're going to grow, uh, you know, what's the next new crop, but how can you embrace technology mm-hmm. in a way that allows you to grow your crop with less water?
5: Right. Be more sustainable. With, um,
6: you know, fewer herbicides mm-hmm. or pesticides. Mm-hmm. Um, there are solutions out there, but you have to be, you know, open to them. Right. And,
5: and interested. Yeah. You have to, you know, sometimes you have to seek them out. But it, it, that came across so well in the book, how forward thinking these people were.
6: Yeah, it's true, and a lot of them are using, um, you know, these super high tech methods that, like, soil moisture monitoring devices mm-hmm. that tell you exactly mm-hmm. when uh, a vine needs to be irrigated and how much, mm-hmm. um, so that the water is applied almost drop by drop in just the right place, right? It's brought right. Way down the mm-hmm. use of water mm-hmm. uh, in vineyards and orchards,
5: mm-hmm. which is great for California because there's not enough water, right?
6: It will always be a scarce resource. Yeah, you know, in, yeah. in uh, years like this where we've had a good rainfall, con- consumers can forget it, and we start wasting water again and taking uh-huh. longer showers. Right. But farmers never forget it. Right. That uh, Those wounds of the drought years really um, are burned in their memory, and they do not— uh, for a moment believe Mm -hmm. that we will ever in California be out of a true drought situation. This is a dry state and water will always be, be an issue. That's why it's just so important to, you know, to support these sustainable farms Mm -hmm. and, you know, seek them out and pat them on the back.
5: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And your book does that so well. Uh, I want to thank you so much for being on the show again. I really enjoyed the book. And I recommend everyone go buy it. Wine Country Table. Thank you,
6: Diane. It's been a pleasure. Okay,
5: thank you.
3: cheese, 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 cheese.
4: Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network.